The Secrets of Movies and TV Shows is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Movies and TV Shows. And you're listening to the secrets of Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Destiny, 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 destiny. <laughs> it's this, this very dramatic title where we will discuss the hidden layers and deeper meanings found in this movie. And joining me today on the panel are Thomas Salerno. Hey, Thomas. Hey there, Dom. And Shelly Kelly. Hey, Shelly. Hey, Dom. Welcome back, Shelley, to the last of we, you and I have done all of the Indiana Jones movies at this point, and uh, this is the last one. I, I'm predicting Supposedly. it now. <laughs> Supposedly. Snatch that hat back. <laughs> Please let Harrison Ford retire. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> so before we get to our discussion, remember to like the secrets of movies and TV shows on our Facebook page. We're at Facebook.com slash StarQuest Media. You can find us on Twitter where we're at SQPN and leave us comments where you'll find us online. You can follow the show, as in get every episode, uh, in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, for a little while because Google Podcasts is going away, uh, so be aware of that, folks. Spotify, tune in, your favorite podcast app, or at our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Media, where you should make sure to hit that bell to get notifications of new episodes. And finally, write a review of the show. if you, We really appreciate that at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from that allow it. And share the podcast with your friends. We, we really do appreciate that. And if I'm going to say this, I always say, like I mentioned, a podcast to recommend when we're doing, when I'm doing a podcast. This one I'm really recommending. If you're good, if you like, the Dial of Destiny, you will want to listen to Jimmy Akin's Mysterious World <laughs> because this is right up that alley. You definitely want to get it. So check yes. out Jimmy Akin's Mysterious World at Mysterious.fm. That is another StarQuest show that you are sure to enjoy. So, all right. We are talking about, as I mentioned before, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, a.k.a. Indiana Jones 5, if you want to uh, do the numbers. And this is a movie that came out in 2023. And just as we're recording this, you're getting this a little later than we're recording this, just out on Disney Plus. So if you're a Disney Plus subscriber, you can watch it there. Well, we are going to have a spoiled discussion. If you have not seen this movie, go see it, then come back and listen, unless you don't care about spoilers. But so I want to just quickly recap, though, as just we set the stage for what, what we are. This is the movie starts in 1944. Indiana Jones and his colleague, Basil Shaw, are captured by Nazis in Germany. The Nazis are evacuating from this castle in the Alps, and the Indy and Basil are there to recover the Spear of Longinus. We will talk about that, or the Lance of Longinus, as they call it, but are captured. But meanwhile, there's a German astrophysicist, Voller, who is there with the Nazis, and he says, forget the spear. This is what we really care about. And he brings out the Ankythera, which is the Dial of Destiny of the movie's title. And before he, and they, the Nazis can do anything with it, Indy swoops in with Basil. They steal it. Boom. They get away. And then we switch to 1969. Nine. Nine. Yeah. The moon landing. And Indy is now 
elderly, retiring from teaching until his goddaughter, Basil's daughter, shows up along with some Nazis in tow, including Voller. And they, after the Dial of Destiny, they have to chase each other through some set pieces to pick up MacGuffins along the way till we get to the final bit where they travel back in time to the time of Archimedes. Like It just got over the top here where they defeat the Romans at the siege of Syracuse using a Nazi bomber. And then they come back where Indy gets into retirement, reunited with Marion again, and Helena goes off to more adventures, presumably. So... It's about recap, so we'll get into the details as we go. <laughs> overall, your overall impression, how does this stack up in your ranking of Indiana Jones movies? Thomas, I'll start with you. Where does this fit for you as in, in among the movies? Well, it, first off, it confirmed my theory that for the Indiana Jones movie, the rule is the opposite of the Star Trek original series movies, which is that the odd numbered ones are actually better than <laughs> the even numbered ones like in Star Trek. Right. But, yeah, I would rank this movie probably around either just under. Yeah, just under Last Crusade. I enjoyed it better than The Crystal Skull. And I'm really not a fan of Temple of Doom. I just okay. it to me, Temple of Doom seems like the odd one out if for so many different reasons. But yeah, I enjoyed Dial of Destiny a lot. I'm glad I saw it. It felt like a return to form for Indiana Jones. And yeah, I just had a blast all the way through. I really enjoyed it. How about you, Shelley? How does it fall in your rankings? Uh, actually, I hadn't thought of it until Tom was talking. and. I agree with you entirely. Uh, which, which is your number one? I didn't ask you that, Thomas. What was your number one? Oh, it, it's got to be Raiders. Okay, um, so Raiders, then Raiders, Last yeah, Crusade. The one. Then, then Last Dial Crusade, then Dial of Destiny. Oh, okay. Yeah. How about and you, Shelley? I'm not sure if I do Raiders, then Last Crusade, or Last Crusade, then Raiders. I, you'll have to go back and listen to all the previous episodes to hear where I ranked <laughs> them in the past. So I don't yeah. want to misspeak there. I do agree that... Somewhere in the Middle is really good with me for this one. The first time I saw this one in the theater, I was a little, I think I came in with expectations and I didn't expect to like it. And I let that taint the way I saw it. And having been a few months now watching it again, I enjoyed it so much more. Okay. Yeah, see, my expectations were rock bottom because I had (laughs) seen so many people panning it that I was like, oh, no. And I went in expecting a train wreck and was pleasantly surprised by yeah. just a really fun popcorn flick, which is what I wanted anyway. So mm-hmm. so for me, the rankings are the Raiders, number one, just because I was 12 years old when it came out. And ah. it's just the perfect age for Raiders. Then Last Crusade, Sean Connery, the just perfect. Then... I would put I would agree with you. Dial of Destiny. Then I might put the Indy 2 next and then Crystal Skull last. I don't know. It There's a lot of us Crystal Skull I didn't like. <laughs> so right in the middle for all of us then. But the, right. the top two we agree can be interchangeable and the bottom yeah. two we agree can be interchangeable depending on the personality and the time of day. Yes, but that. This movie is solidly right in the middle. It is not the best, but it certainly isn't among the worst. And it hits right in the middle. I think that's a I think that's an interesting way to put it. But I would say that fits the way I see it. Uh, definitely. 
There were a lot of warm and fuzzy moments that were reminiscent of the first time we saw Indiana Jones. And I think Uh that's what the writers and directors were going for in presenting this final chapter to us. What makes a great Indiana Jones movie that this movie did? That's an interesting question I tried to pose to myself as we watch. But do you have any thoughts on that? I could throw out a couple things. One is I think Indy is best when he's battling Nazis. That's the common denominator in the best of these. Oh, well, he was battling Nazis in Crystal Skull, but weird Nazi communists. It was weird. But like when he's up against the Third Reich, that's the boom. That's Indy's wheelhouse right there. So I, I that's one of them. But what, what do you think? What makes the better indie movies better than the lesser I think they brought all the elements into this one that we like. And that is, like you mentioned, you started with that adventure sequence and then you went into there's this artifact that has to be found. And in this case, the artifact was an antiquity, but not necessarily related to a religious theme. And then the love interest. I hate to say that, but the family love interest that wasn't in your face with this one. I liked that. But then there's also this great adventure that he's having that he doesn't realize he's having. And that's his age and the way they make his age a part of the adventure or even tangentially a separate adventure, I think, makes this really good. Interesting. Uh, How about you, Thomas? What what makes a great indie movie? I think a lot of the same thing Shelley said. I really enjoy the caper aspect of Indiana Jones movies. I really enjoy the mystery of finding out like what this artifact actually does. Cause like in the Indiana Jones universe, the artifacts are often similar, but also different from artifacts that we know in real life. Right. And I'm sure we'll get into that with the Antikythera mechanism, but I, and of course, like we said, I enjoy Indy when he's fighting Nazis, when he's fighting the third Reich, because I am a history buff (laughs) and enjoy all that stuff. I just, and I enjoy those little references to the larger universe. Whenever they, Indy says that he did this in Budapest or wherever it is, just as a random example. (laughs) Yeah. You know, like I was there in 1936 or whatever. I'm like, Oh, that's cool. They're referencing some other adventure that happened. I know there's been expanded universe novels, which are hard to find these days. Mm. They're all out of print, sadly, but I just love that they can reference a larger universe without having to over explain it. Right. I I think that adds verisimilitude. And I, I like that. One of the things that I think makes a great indie movie is the pacing. Mm-hmm. There are these action set pieces. You got to have that. That's one thing that makes an indie movie is an action set piece with interludes where moments where you can rest and a little downtime and then indie can interact with the people that he's with at that time. And you get a human moment and then it's, back chasing and it moves from place to place. And we get that. We get, we go from the French Alps to New York city to Morocco to the Aegean sea. We travel with him. And that's again. And I think another thing that makes a great indie movie. And interestingly, that's one thing we didn't get in say the second movie, um, the temple of doom. He, Basically, was it had a few places nearby, but it was all in India. It wasn't this grand adventure, and it's so. I think it's one of those things. Is and Indy just gets to 
he's I feel, I feel like he's the original Jack Bauer in that Indy gets beat up along the way yeah. and <laughs> keeps going. And I think that's another aspect of what makes Indy so great is he he's the hero who he's not invincible and invulnerable. He just he's drag he's relentless and drags himself from one place to the next. And at 80 years old, he's still it's even more dragging himself. So he's a lot like Batman in that way, where at least Batman in his more modern incarnations, he gets beat up and yeah. but he keeps on coming back. That's right. Only right. Indiana Jones can be shot in the upper left quadrant of his chest and then continue on to go through what another 20 minutes of being dragged around or fight scenes or parachutes out of a plane. And, yeah. and you're like, how many lives is this guy? And I thought, well, maybe they're making it into a metaphor from, well, you thought the Indiana Jones franchise was done making movies, but we just keep on ticking and we just keep on going. <laughs> just keep pumping them out. <laughs> um yeah, and then the other one, other thing is that lore. I think you, you you referenced that a little bit, Thomas. But just the references to the fantastic stuff of our world, the stuff that's be like that, it always touches on something beyond the norm and the natural. He's so down to earth, and yet even in this movie, he says, "I've seen things <laughs> that uh-huh. would be that are hard to believe." And he's seen what the Ark can do, the Ark of the Covenant. He's seen the those stones in the in the Temple of Doom, and the guy. Khalifa, Khalifa, pulling <laughs> the thing. Uh, actually, or was that Star Trek in a mock time? I don't know. But pulling the thing out of the chest. Um, yeah. He's, he's an immortal. Right. In, in Last Crusade, an immortal person. Right. Mm-hmm. And the cup of Christ. And, and he, uh, the drinking the blood of Kali. <laughs> right, right. He threw the ring into the cracks of doom. No, that was something else. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, so in, in that case, that's another aspect of what makes Indiana Jones a, a great Indiana Jones movie. So, oh, and one other thing, a strong uh, villain. There needs yes. to be a strong villain. And they nailed it with Mads Mikkelsen here. If you had asked me before this movie came out, who would you want as an indie villain? He would have been on my short list. Yeah. Because yeah. I loved him in Casino Royale as, as the bad guy, as a Le Chief. Yeah, guy in that. Oh, and yeah. He does such a great job as a, a Voller, Herr Voller, the, this unreconstructed Nazi who's. And I love that they, I don't know if they mention it by name, but he's basically brought over in Operation Paperclip. Yes. So there's that he's, historical aspect again. He's brought over to work at NASA and all that stuff. And, and he's I essentially that, supposed yeah. to be an analog to Von Braun, Werner <laughs> yeah. Von Braun. I hated it, that. <laughs> hated that they made him equi- yes, equated. The, it. Yes. The, yes. Because. I like Dr. Von Braun. (laughs) (laughs) But when anyone tainting all the nuance and context of who people were in that time period and how allegiances Mm. had to be shifted. But Mm. But I feel like there must have been some people like him who were like both in Germany and the United States who were just unreconstructed and just completely. Right. Well, yeah. And when they say that to him, when Indy says, are you still a Nazi? And Helena looks shocked. And I was remember thinking that, how hard that must have been post-World War II, even up to the 1960s and early 70s, that there was this conflict still in the culture for people that age. Yes. Well, I was thinking about that, that it was that great scene in the hotel in New York City where Voller is is with his new name, I forget what it is. Schmidt. It, Schmidt, right. Schmidt. Is, yeah. Schmidt's such a good German name. Or Schmidt of <laughs> Alabama University. <laughs> the the black waiter in the hotel 
brings in the tray and Waller is, uh, oh, did you fight in the war? Because this man was the right age and grinding his nose in it like you're just a, a waiter in this hotel. And kudos to them, they don't bring it up. But there's the race issue as well. He's black working a semi menial jobs of, of serving people being ordered around by these guys. And, and he is grinding his nose in it. And, and I, the former Nazi is the very important person, the advisor to the president. And I can tell the president to wait on me because I'm so important. And it's, Oh, you just wanted to, Punch him in that smug Nazi face. And when he said <laughs> the allies didn't win, we lost. And that's an interesting perspective, given what he's trying to do, which is, and I think it's fascinating. He, it's not that he wants Hitler to win because he, nope. he knows Hitler was the crazy madman who lost the war. The fact is they could have won <laughs> the, the Nazi. If it wasn't for Hitler, the Nazis could have won World War Two. And, you know, someone with Voller's knowledge if he were to go back and convince people that he knew what to do, that that really could have changed the course of world history. The Nazis could have won. I think what's ironic, too, is that in real life, one of the reasons that the Nazis did lose is that they were wasting so much money and resources on crazy ventures to try and find artifacts that would win them the war, like Das, right. An, das Annenerbe, their archaeological division, and all this stuff. Instead of building newer and better weapons and having better strategy. They're wasting all these resources on wild goose chases. That's an aspect of the Indiana Jones story that I don't know that people realize. That's actually, this is actually what happened. Hitler did send out people to go find these artifacts because he was crazy for supernatural stuff and thought these things would help him. And that's the fascinating thing is, yeah, in, in fact, it wasn't just artifacts, but also art, as we recently had in the when we discussed the secrets of the movie The Monuments Men, the Nazis were looting art as well. So let's talk about some of this, some of these artifacts. The, the first artifact that gets mentioned is the Lance of Longinus or the Spear of Longinus uh, that these uh, Nazis have. And that spear, in case people don't know, is Longinus is the reputed to be the Roman soldier at the foot of the cross where Christ was crucified. And his spear was the one that pierced the side of Christ from which flowed blood and water. And that spear head became an, uh, a relic, uh, of, of course, but it's not in some French castle. It's actually, we know where it is. It's in St. Peter's. It's in, there's a reliquary in St. Peter's that has the spearhead of London. It's one of those great relics recovered, I think, by St. Helena, uh, the mother of uh, Constantine. She, That's she ironic because the Helena. The character Helena? is named Helena. <laughs> That's true. Indy's goddaughter. Yeah. Well, and it, it also ties The Last Crusade into this new movie by starting with that, because oh. I know we all speculated that the lance would be the artifact that to go after in this film. And so leading off with that, the lance pierced the side, the blood and water. There's the image that was in Dr. Jones's of the cop of Christ, yeah. the Holy Grail, capturing the blood and water flowing into it. And that's shown pretty well in the New York apartment is when they show it, but it's something mm -hmm. from the last crusade. So it ties the movies together in terms of making a nod to that spiritual connection. Right. And it there is has interesting. to be in the beginning of every indie yeah. movie, a red herring artifact. In the yes. first sequence, there, there's yes. always that. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, the, he had the same thing with the uh, the very first one. It wasn't so much a red herring as it just got taken away. Like right. he, he couldn't keep it. Um, but this one was a fake. 
But this was a fake. It's a fake. That was a new <laughs> twist. I enjoyed that. Star Trek reference. Yes. Yeah. That. Well, and I love the fact that there. Some of us would say when before this movie came out, the best Indiana Jones movies are the ones where Indy is recovering artifacts related to Judeo-Christian faith, the Ark, the Cup of Christ, and so to have the lance be the thing that they start with, another artifact connected to to Christ. It's almost James Mangold, the director, saying we're still one of those movies, <laughs> even if it's not the main artifact. We're mm-hmm. still connected to those movies, which, hey, maybe that's how it worked out. Maybe is why it was good. I don't know. But yeah, that. so the Lance is it turns out and Voller is the one who who calls it. He says, oh, no, it's fake. And I forget it's like the metal is too new and whatever. But it, it was interesting. But it's the Antikythera that was among the artifacts that he's really interested in. And he names it as he says, it's Archimedes dial. It's said to have these properties. It's only half of it. And the other half has been lost. So, so at this point, when you mentioned the Antikythera is a real archeological relic, it, we know where it is. It's in the museum in Athens. It's in the national museum of Athens. And it's not, I hate to say it, it, it's not really even connected to Archimedes. They're not even, they're not quite sure who made it, but it was recovered in a shipwreck. It doesn't look like it does in the movie. It's corroded bronze. It looks like it was under the ocean for 2000 years, but it's a hand powered orrery, which is a model of the solar system. And it was used to project astronomical positions and eclipses decades in advance. Like they could predict out these things. And so it is a fascinating, mysterious object in and of itself. In fact, like they're not quite sure. Like it is it is well advanced of most of the technology that we would have thought they had at the time it was found, which is was time it was made, which they think was about 87 B.C., Oh, when it was made. Okay. So, so it's um, over 2000 years old. Wow. It is. Yeah. So, yeah, but the rest of the, this, the story is entirely made up the old dial of destiny, Archimedes thing. So uh, you just got to accept that and, and move think, on. Two things come to mind as you're talking about this. One is that the dial in the movie is about the same age relatively as the earlier spiritual, the cup of Christ and the lands and the Ark of the well, the Ark of the Covenant is actually much much older. Sorry, it's about a, yeah, that's about a thousand years <laughs> but, older than that. But yeah, but they're still in that same time period, the same eras. And yeah. then the second one is that this one is not supernatural, and maybe that's why Hitler wasn't looking for it in the movie when he's. This is not what he's wanting. Don't come to me with this. Doctor Voller says its power is not supernatural; it's mathematics, and so right, it's, it, it's much more tangible. And the travel through time wasn't so much supernatural as it was physics and math and an aligning of something they they discovered scientifically. Right. Yeah, they don't call it, but it's like a it's like a wormhole perhaps or something along those lines. They don't call it a wormhole. A fissure. I think they called it a fissure. Yeah. I wonder if wormhole was a thing in 1969 yet if they even called them wormholes yet but yeah it's but it's essentially that idea. It's a scientific phenomenon not a spiritual phenomenon that's going on in here yeah one of the things i, I want to point about the the fight on the train is we do get the wilhelm scream right off the bat yes. uh, when he yes. throws one of the nazis <laughs> off the train yeah so, gotta have the wilhelm scream that whole sequence for me was worth the price of admission to see yeah. this movie and like as soon as they started everything like in the beginning indy's captured they're interrogating oh. him he, he gets on the train i was like this is it 
I'm like, yes, I, I knew I was going to love this movie from the opening bits. You right. Know? Right from them hanging him up, like putting a noose on him and him <laughs> having to escape from it and then almost getting hung like again twice as the building was burning around them. The bomb coming through the roof and hitting the floor and going through just all of that was great. And then let's talk about the de-aging because that's a big thing. They uh, have perfected yeah. that, I think. That yeah, looks seamless. Compared to, say, Rogue One a few years ago when we had Leia. Well, she was, wasn't de-aging, but there were fake faces. But in this case, I have to feel like it wasn't just de-aging. They had to have, at times, put the face of young Harrison Ford on stunt doubles. I, I, I really feel like that has to have happened in some of these. Because there's no way Harrison Ford was throwing himself around <laughs> like some of these instances. And getting punched and that sort of thing. What, so- what did you think? So I actually got this on Amazon and it had bonus content and I was watching the bit about the de-aging process and it shows Harrison Ford, current age, and they've put like little dots on his face. They almost look like freckles. And then they have him in the costume going about doing everything and they show how they have taken every single image that they have filmed of him when he was about that age. He's supposed to be 37 in this. And they... I guess it's like a version of AI because they have blended it all together and then overlaid it and they showed it side by side. It was scary. And they did also show the stunt doubles. And I don't remember seeing them with the dots on their face, but a lot of the scenes they were showing were the action scenes. So a lot of it was from right. behind. Or And regarding the noose that you mentioned being hung, the first thing that came to mind was, are you kidding me? And the second thing was, oh, it's like the refrigerator in the nuclear blast. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> Right. It's, that's not Again, quite as how bad. many times do we yeah. think he's going to be dead, but he's not. Yes. How many times does an explosion bomb explode near him, but doesn't disintegrate him, blown to bits? That was a big bomb. That was a small bomb. Or, or yeah. lose his hearing or have concussive blasts on his internal <laughs> organs. It's just it's a fun movie. There's always that humor as well. And like when he gets in the car, punches the driver, gets in the car and then the the, the Nazis get in the back seat with him. <laughs> and, the, and suddenly he doesn't know German. <laughs> Did he ever know German? I don't know if he ever knew German. That's the funny thing is, but he fakes his way through it. There are things like when he's in the, like the movie physics, when he's in the motorcycle and the motor, the sidecar, he shears off the sidecar by hitting a tree. The motorcycle would collapse around the tree in real life. Like it wouldn't right. just shear it off and keep going. It's just, but it's movie physics. It's cartoon physics. And it doesn't have to be believable because it's not the genre that this movie is this is fun and and it's funny to see like how we accept it but it, but in other places we wouldn't but Indiana right. Jones we accept it because it's part of it's part of the, the the milieu it's part of the universe of Indiana Jones so it's fine so let's skip forward then to the 1960 July 1969 it's moon day we we have a, a bit of a jump here because we start with him on the day they land on the moon and then we have the parade in New York City, which is so there was this weird. Cause, oh, yeah. Because right? because the party wasn't the party for the was it wasn't. No, Moon Day was the day of the parade. It was the ticker tape parade in New York City. OK, so the party was after. for him retiring. No, the right. party. I'm sorry. The party of his neighbor who woke him up that he oh. went there with the bat as the yep. cranky and, old man. and he says it's Moon Day, but it's the ticker. It's the ticker tape parade day. It's the day they brought the astronauts through yeah. New York City. 
Okay, so that's so, what he meant. Everything stopped. It was huge. There was like millions of people there. It was. Yeah. Yeah. That was fun. I, I like that they incorporated that. And I feel like it, it gives this idea that the astronauts superseding his class, like his people are just not into his class. Everyone wants to go somewhere else. Like the astronauts parade superseding his, the interest in his class is symbolic of the changing of the era. We're moving from the era of the swashbuckling archaeologist in a leather coat to the modern space age. And it's what they tried to do in Crystal Skull less successfully. But here, I think right. they, they accomplished that. Yeah. And they changed the lighting. I don't know if you caught that when they were doing all of the Nazi scenes and, and you missed some of those great lines of too many Nazis. He meant that reference so many times. We're yeah, running yeah. towards the gun. No, we're running away from the Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. That was on the train. Yeah. <laughs> Everything was very muted and gray, almost black and white, except for that red swastika. And then mm. the minute they switched to 1969, it's very vibrant. You're, it's almost in your face. Everything is very tinged, red, white, and blue, and it's a whole different feel. And so they really showed you that it's changed. Andy is a man of the past. He right. is not a man of the future and the future that we, who are not old enough to remember that parade because we weren't born yet, but yeah, he's yep. not a part of that future. And that's a huge shift for him. Yeah, even the the color of the light, it's very golden and it's August 1969 probably or maybe it was I forget what the parade was but maybe September he's retiring which is weird he wouldn't retire yeah. at the beginning or middle of a semester so it has to be like the end of the summer session that's that was my my mental canon <laughs> there but yeah it was very golden like a golden age where it was the fight against Nazis was at night and it was dark and but it was yeah like you say it was war so it was very different uh, time so yeah I, I see that we do find out August thirteenth. Before August, thank you. Ooh, August thirteenth. That is a good day. That oh, is my anniversary. August thirteenth. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So we. Oh, and I wanted to mention the college he teaches at. Hunter. Hunter. Yeah. I almost went there. Oh, awesome! I, I almost <laughs> did when I was thinking about doing my master's in anthropology because they have an anthropology program. It's part of the, a bunch of universities around New York city have pooled their anthro departments and have this big over department kind of thing. But I almost Mm. went to Hunter college. I was thinking of applying there. So when I saw the movie, I was like, Oh, that's a nice personal connection. Mm. And and it makes you wonder why he's at Hunter college because he was not there before the crystal skull. So I think they said he'd been with them a little over a decade and this yeah. is 12 years after the events of Crystal Skull. It's 12 years after he and Marion got married, 12 years after he learned about his son. And so maybe that they came together as a family in New York City and he had to find another job. Yeah, I was wondering, maybe he just got fired from the college after the race through the college against the Nazis. <laughs> uh, Crystal Skull. And he was Ten- accused of being tenure. a communist. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was like Yale, but not Yale. Like they didn't actually come out and say it was Yale, but it was understood, I think, at the time. So speaking of Marion, we find out in the apartment he's got divorce papers. So they're getting divorced uh, again, <laughs> apparently. But this time is because his son, Mutt, played by Shia LaBeouf in Crystal Skull, has died in the war, presumably Vietnam, I would say. Yeah. 
and and what does he say to Helena? Marion, it just broke Marion or something like that, and he couldn't help her. Like he he didn't have the wherewithal to be there for her in the that moment. She just couldn't. She couldn't have him there as in her grief, and that that's what split them up. But you could tell he's not wanting it. Like he, he it's a huge regret for him. He's not wanting this divorce early on. We don't find out about Mutt until much later. But, Actually, um, if, if you're really sharp-eyed, you can figure it out pretty early. Yeah, in the yeah. apartment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's yeah. a there's I think the telegram you get when child dies in the war i think they should well it's the folded flag oh that too the The very first thing that my son actually picks it up really fast is who died (laughs) that was the first Mm, thing he said he saw the flag and said who died so when they pan that apartment from the window that's when you see it you see the ballantine whiskey boxes yep and the, the bottles are sitting up there and there's that shelf and there's a folded flag and then it's like a shrine there's a picture of mutt in uniform Mm-hmm. And maybe a Marine, I couldn't quite tell. And then there's a picture of his father, Dr. Jones. I remember yes. the picture of his dad, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think yep. they say later that Mutt went to Vietnam because he thought it's what his father expected of him. And yes. that somebody kind of drove him and Marion apart. Somebody mentioned it there. Oh, when Dr. Voller's going to Morocco in the plane, there's a T or the, so on the in the hotel, there's a TV in the background and on the TV reporter is talking about it. Dr. Henry Jones wanted for this incident that happened at the college recently lost his son and was in the middle of a divorce. Oh that's, yeah. If, if, if you listen for that, you'll mm-hmm. catch that. It, it said very early, but yes. And then he says the grief overwhelmed her and he couldn't do anything for it. Right. And right. the separation papers are dated June 26, 1969. Right. So he's had them for almost two months and hasn't, it hasn't progressed from there. And but do we do at the end get that reunion? And what a wonderful reunion. It another callback to the original movie, that scene when they're on the boat, where doesn't it hurt? And it but the tables have turned because for her, the hurt isn't physical, it's emotional and spiritual and kisses her and, and they reunite, shall we say. Including the hat. I don't know. It's uh, like a man. It's just like a man. Yes. <laughs> just like no because the that was such a huge Point that ending. We have to come back and talk about the ending because yeah. either now or later, I don't care. But <laughs> it was the humanistic side of this movie beyond just the great adventure was that reuniting that here's Indiana and he's old and the world has forgotten him. His students mm-hmm. are no longer interested. They don't believe in heroes anymore. And he really has nothing. He's retiring and there's nothing to live for almost. Right. And then, boom, Helena comes in and they get swept off and he's he's almost angry about having to go <laughs> as much as Saul is like, oh, Indy, I, I want to go with you. Let me go. I miss the desert. I miss the ocean. I miss the adventure. And I think that's all of us saying we miss that. We miss yes. Indiana Jones. And she left because he wasn't there anymore in their grief. More divorces happen after the death of a child. But when they come back, he doesn't want to come back from. Right. From Syracuse. Syracuse. And I wanted him to stay in Syracuse. Honest, the first time I saw it, that's my, we'll get there. That's my favorite part is Syracuse. And, but then she brings, she goes, what am I back for? And then it began and ended with a spear. There's a spear on the table sitting right next to his bed when they look back. And, And she comes in and 
everybody else leaves the room and Marion's looking at him and it's just the most tender moment that they end with. Everything hurts. I know how that feels. And they reconnect. And you're just like, oh my gosh. First Indiana Jones movie that left me with tears in my eyes. Everything. <laughs> Good one. <ones. laughs> from the beginning to the end with Indiana Jones, from the first movie to this one, is connected with, it's that relationship between Indy and Marion and the turbulence in that relationship. And like what starts with like when this movie, when it Raiders starts they they have had a bad breakup. They have a bad past. And, but yet they are there for each other throughout display on the highs and lows. And in the end, Indy's destiny is not uh, the Ankatera. It is Marion in the end. That is who he's supposed to be with. And I, I do, I agree. I think it, that is a, a, a wonderful moment. Story. Yeah. And I love the fact that Karen Allen is there and uh, Karen Allen, yes, uh, is there. And she looks like she has aged just like Harrison Ford did. And she looks natural. She looks beautiful. She's, she's a beautiful woman in her got to be seventies at least. And, and, but she looks like herself, like she should. And he does. And they're this older couple at the end of their lives who are together again as they should be. And that's what we want from Indiana Jones is to end up as he should be the way with a happy ending in that sense. And yeah, she I says, agree. She says, are you back? Right. And I don't think she meant, are you physically returned into the apartment? I think, are you back? <laughs> are you the soul of what makes you Indiana Jones? Are you back? Right. Right. That's what she left was the man who had been broken. The Indiana Jones that she fell in love with had, had gone, but he's returned. Yeah. You mentioned Sala. That was a great moment between Sala and Indy. I love seeing John Reese Davies back and just in general. But Indy replies to him. This is not an adventure, Sala. The, the, those days have come and gone. And Sala, wise, Sala is always wise. Sala says, perhaps not. It's like <laughs> some of those days have gone. But there's one last adventure to be had here. And that's where they go. Give them hell, Indiana Jones. I was on the verge of clapping in the theater yes. when he said that. <laughs> that was great. So we'll talk about, let's talk about Helena here, played by Phoebe Waller-Ridge. Uh, she's the daughter of Basil Shaw, who was driven crazy by his obsession with the Ankathera. And Indy tried to help him by removing it from him. And it's fascinating because Indy himself could have been uh, that obsessed with a with an artifact. Indy has encountered artifacts uh, that were that powerful before. And yeah, it's fascinating to see him and that he's her godfather, that he's apparently lost touch with her. And she's he can identify with her because his father had an obsession yes. with an artifact and so she, he thinks she's chasing after it like he would have. When it turns out that her motives are not pure by any means. They're not. Indy is a bit of a great, is a grave robber. He's not a true archaeologist, but he always wants to put the things in museums. Whereas she is much more like Belloc in, in one sense. She is in it for the profit, which is fascinating. In a way, she reminds you of Indiana Jones in the movie we never want to talk about in the <laughs> Temple of Doom. She's after fortune and glory. Yeah, she, she, everything is. And, and they keep saying that to the victor go the spoils. Right. So but that's what she reminded me of was the young Indiana Jones who's chasing things in in the Temple of Doom. Right. So, right. And. I love the way they made the reference to it. It was like the tables were flipped when uh, she's after it. And he says, why are you chasing the thing that drove your father crazy? And her only retort is, wouldn't you? 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah, he he would. He did. He did. (laughs) He did. Right. He went with him. And we should mention that at this point, they only have one half of the device. Right. The antikythera mechanism is in two parts. And to find the second half, they have to find another MacGuffin called the Graphicos. This <laughs> this got very close to being convoluted. Let me put it that way, like yeah. to, to being a little too convoluted. But it's like a it's like a video game. There are levels and bosses each level you have to defeat. <laughs> so they have to uh, f- you know, do this puzzle, then get to the next puzzle so they can get to the final puzzle. National treasure. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's a formula and it works. Uh, At one point, I, they are in a lit- basically a literal Zelda dungeon going yeah. through the puzzle. I, I, I don't want to forget to mention some of my favorite lines from the movie. There's some really fun stuff in here. In Morocco, when Indy sees Schmidt Waller again after he got knocked off the train, he, he says, oh, your face rings a bell. Which, yeah, his face got his bell rung. You should have stayed in New York, Voller says to him. You should have stayed out of Poland. Great oh, line. that was great. <laughs> I love that. Uh, that was fantastic. And then the, the third burn was uh, on the plane, Voller says, buckle up, Dr. Jones, there might be some turbulence. And Jones says, you're German, Voller. Don't try and be funny. <laughs> oh, that was brilliant. I was like, what? <laughs> Three great burns by, by Indy against Voller. It was awesome. Uh, There's another cool exchange when he says, you stole it. You st- then I, then you, st- no, see, I stole it. Then you stole it. And she says, then I stole it. It's capitalism, guys. <laughs> right, right. And we have these multiple groups of people that we're battling here. We have the CIA, who's for some reason are working with the Nazis. I, oh, I not- thought that was such a weird weird thing because that, yeah it was another MacGuffin. yeah and those yeah. characters did nothing to advance the plot like the and the female agent is killed off and i in the theater i was thinking there i'm like you did precisely nothing to advance the movie like they could right. have cut that part with the cia out and it yes. wouldn't have affected anything were they trying right. to establish that dr voler was previously a Nazi and now was such a trusted member of the United States scientific community that this was that they were giving him this level of protection or of interest in helping him to recover something. That was the weakest part, I think, was what was the CIA's interest in all of this? Why was the CIA helping Voller find this artifact? Like, yeah, I, I mean, you, right. Like the whole it was like you, you said, Shelley, is it because he created the U.S. space program? Now we give him anything he wants on a silver platter. But then they cut him off later. Then he's there's a warrant yeah. for his arrest or something. Yeah. But Helena had been arrested in Tangiers for selling uh, contraband, trafficked uh, antiquities, trafficked goods, whatever. Maybe it was related in some way to that because they were looking for Helena, weren't they? Not Dr. Jones. They were after her. They were and following so she's her. this international um, she's with the, the, drug the gangster. Lord. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So she's with the son of the Moroccan guy. So maybe it's more tied into that. It just wasn't well explained or we didn't care as much as they wanted us to. Yeah. Because uh, Voller. Voller's uh, objective for following Helena was because she was the Basil was the last one known to have the Antikythera piece. And so that's why they were following her, because she was trying. They knew she was trying to find it. But yeah, what was the CIA looking for? That was the one thing that I didn't understand. Yeah, but yeah, is 
One of the things that occurred to me at the time, and I think we said this at the beginning, are they setting up Helena to be the next Indiana Jones? I don't, I, I just don't feel like this isn't a, a male female thing anyway, but it's really, I just don't feel like the character has enough there to be, to carry an Indiana Jones type movie, not like Lara Croft on the Tomb Raiders, <laughs> that sort of thing. I just don't feel like this character can carry it. I heard, I just, I've seen speculation. That's what it was, but I, I don't see it. There was speculation about Mutt too when the fourth movie came out. Yeah. Um, and I, I didn't get that vibe when I watched Dial of Destiny. Uh, like, I didn't get the vibe that they were setting her up as a successor. Yeah. Yeah. See, the first time I saw the movie, I did get that vibe that they were trying to replace him with her. She would be in Mutt's absence. She would become the new future Indiana Jones. But the second time I watched it, I liked her better. The first time I, I didn't like her character at all. I yeah. Just, I found it grating on me. She was just so consistently, she played the <laughs> character so consistently. But, yeah. but then after watching it the second time, I thought, no, okay, this is, Pulling that element of family through again. And she has, I forget the kid's name already. I'm sorry. Teddy. Teddy, thank you. She has Teddy, which gave you the whole vibe of Shorty, Short Round. Yeah. Yes. Not as good, though, but yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's what made me then realize she's acting like him in Temple of Doom with the Fortune and Glory. And she just took another step. Nice callback, actually, for them to establish that kind of relationship. Yeah, the I've always said that if they want to do more Indiana Jones movies, and maybe they just let it die, but they should reboot with a new actor. I just feel like instead of dragging poor Harrison Ford out again, go back and tell the old stories, the ones that you you referenced, Thomas, like the those stories from the '30s, all those adventures he had. There's yeah. plenty of fodder for for movies there if you wanted to do that. I don't even know if we want them to do that. It would have to be the right actor, the right scripts. That's they, for sure. They also had Helena go through a transformation. If you see her in the beginning, she's very rough around the edges. She's very sharp. She's punchy. And then there's this flashback where you see her as a child, as a young girl, maybe 12, 13 years old. She's very soft. And the little picture of her Uh is very soft. When you get to the end and they're back at the apartment after Syracuse, she looks soft again. Her hair is done real softly. Her her makeup, everything is soft and rounded about her instead of being sharp and, and edgy. And so I just saw that there was that transformation having gone through this experience. That's a good that's a good catch, because, yeah, she does change throughout this. And it's both they accentuated with the visual. But in that last moment, she has that decision to go back for Indy after he's been shot in the tomb of Archimedes or to escape with Teddy. And that's that moment where the switch flips, where she decides, no, I'm going to go back for him. I'm no longer out for just myself. Um, so, yes, this Indiana Jones always has this moment of decision and the movie always has it where I have to decide whether to take the fame and power or save a person. And I think Indy faces this in this one, but Helena faces this in this one too. this this moral choice. Do I take the thing that elevates me that would set me up for life? Or do I go give that up for the person? And we saw that in Last Crusade. We saw that in Raiders, in the best of these movies. And I think in all the movies, we get that choice from him. And it's always the choice for a person, to save a person, to die to self in that, when I use that language. 
We also get another famous actor in this movie. We get Antonio Banderas playing Ronaldo, the Spanish diver. Oh, he was um, great. I was sad that character got killed off. I was yeah. Like, oh. I was like, wait, was he was Antonio Banderas in another movie? It's fascinating to have him show up as such a big actor in such a small role in this movie. But I suppose it's an Indiana Jones movie. I like instead of snakes, there's eels when they go down to the the waters, snakes in water, (laughs) snakes in the water. And you can tell Indy is making that connection in his head. Eels are snakes in the water. He's not he's not liking it. And it's pre scuba, by the way. Right. Yes. Right. Jacques Cousteau invented the, the scuba, the self-contained underwater breathing apparatus. But this is still tubes to the surface that have to be pumped. So, yeah. I'm shocked they did shocked joke. I'm shocked they <laughs> didn't go for electric eels. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. That would have been even even better in that case. <laughs> would have been uh, electrifying. <laughs> what is it? He says at one point, Indy says to Helena, I've come to believe it's not so much what you believe but how hard you believe it, he, sa- he says to her, in, as he's trying to convince her that there's something here. He says, I don't believe in magic, but I've seen things. And you could see that Indy is, on, like, he is, he's experienced stuff that you, you can't deny. And he's so obstinate <laughs> that yeah. he won't just believe, but you, you get the sense that it's in there, that there's that kernel of, I believe in this higher power. I believe in that God exists and that he has power in this world and that Nazis are evil and opposed to him and he doesn't like them, uh, which he saw firsthand how the wrath of God against Nazis several times. And, and it's just, it's interesting. It's an interesting moment of where he's imparting this wisdom to Helena. You've got to, you've got to believe in something beyond yourself. You can't you get you've got to be more than the stuff you can acquire and the power you can acquire and the fame you can have. You've got to have more than that. And that that was to me, that's the pivotal moment, that central point in this movie that the movie kind of rotates around. And I really liked him saying that at that moment. I wonder if they brought in Antonio Banderas's character so that they could have a death right there. And to have it be one of Indy's good close friends that we aren't already emotionally attached to through the franchise. Because I was thinking death is final. And if anything, we're looking at old Harrison Ford. He is old. And this character cannot live forever. But we don't want to see Indiana die on screen. We don't want to see Sala die on screen. We don't want to lose Marion. We've had Mutt, but that's more of the passage of time and how everything's catching up with Indiana. So I was wondering if being having his friend killed here is that facing that final moment. It's interesting. Right. And by having a big actor that we recognize, he's not just a background stranger, stranger. Right. So we have an emotional connection to him already just because, Hey, it's Antonio Banderas. And to have him die on screen there gives us a bit of that taste of the loss of, we know that this is a big death. If they're going to kill a big actor on screen, that's, that's a, a big death. So I think you're right. It's that making it present, that mortality. And Indy gets to say to Helena, Hey, you're all excited. My friend just died. And, and to bring her back down again and to, and to give her the stakes, this isn't just a game. There are real lives at stake. Indy is grounded, very grounded in this moment. Um, well, so. they also use Rennie as that character where Indy confides in him what's happened. If, why would you want to go back in time? 
how does he phrase it? What would you do if you could go back in time? Right. And that's where we learn. He says, I'd stop my son from enlisting yeah. and I'd tell him how he's going to die or I'll tell him he's going to die. And, and so they can allow these two men to be vulnerable mm-hmm. in their sharing of information there. Yeah. I, yeah. Really nice moment. So after the, so after they recover the Graphicos, they know they need to go find the tomb of Archimedes in in Sicily. So they go to the cave of Dionysius. Real place. Yeah. Real place. In fact, if you go to Wikipedia, some of the f- images, some of the photos of the cave are actually the exact framing from the shots of the movie. Mangold ah. must have said that shot is that shot. It, it's I, I think he really is emphasizing this is a real place. And it, it works like this where it's said to have these properties of perfect echo and that sort of thing. There's a couple of fun bits about it there. There's and no they did film in it, it though. There's no tomb no, of Archimedes in it. No, it's not there. They did no, film in it. Yeah, they did film on location. That seems important because nowadays everything is so CGI'd and done in studio. But they right. actually went and filmed in Syracuse, and then I think they call it the Ear of Dionysus. Right. Yes, the, the ear. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It has that. What is it? It's 23 meters high, extends 65 meters back. It bends in approximately S shape, and They said it does have these interesting properties of the way the sound moves in it, but it was like it was the Romans carved it for water storage. They said so. Nothing fantastic. Another callback. So in Syracuse, we have Teddy getting captured. He had to be. That's just that sort of thing. Villains in these movies, no matter how far ahead Indy ever gets, they always catch up to him. He doesn't leave them clues, but they somehow seem to find him. He's going west. Therefore, he must be going to Sicily and Dionysius, the cave of Dionysius. Sure. Why not? But they, they show up there and Teddy stumbles into them. He gets captured. And well, there's like, like a t- procession going by. Do you know what yes, that? Yes, there's a religious, kind of religious procession. procession. Yeah. Yeah, a saint or a Marian feast. I forget exactly what it was because it's Sicily. If it's the Godfather or Indiana Jones, you have to have religious processions to tell you it's Sicily. It's Sicily, yeah. There, there was a, every Indiana Jones movie has to have one really gross scene. And this was a callback to the Temple of Doom, the crawling through the bugs. Oh, yeah, which, oh man, mm. not as bad as Temple of Doom. Temple of Doom was grosser. This totally yeah, had the big giant centipedes. Uh, and uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure those are actually native to. So, so, <laughs> Um, but they are native to Indiana Jones. Yeah, they are. <laughs> yes. Just like the ants in the fourth movie are not native um, to South America. And they, right, they right, right. in there anyway. I, yeah, I was wondering if they the brought way. back all of the creatures. Yeah. <laughs> I kept wondering, okay, every Indiana Jones movie has the one big henchman, right? Yes. And he's got to die in some spectacular fashion. Like in Raiders where the big guy gets killed by the, the propeller of the, the plane. Oh, right? yeah. Yep. Yeah. Right. That that that's Raiders. That right? was Raiders. Right. Yes. Yeah, okay. Yep. Yeah. So I'm like, when is this big linebacker looking guy gonna <laughs> get his? And he ends up drowning, and he does that thing that people who drowning in movies do, where they scream. And I'm like, don't <laughs> do that. You're letting out all the, the oxygen in your lungs. Yes. Just accelerating the process. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but he uh, was also. But I guess he was also handcuffed to those. Bars, he so he knew he wasn't going anywhere. <laughs> right. Although the, those bars were pretty rusted. If he'd worked at it, he might have broken them. <laughs> uh, he's just a, a dumb Nazi and 
drowned himself. That's why they lost the war. <laughs> the tomb has a puzzle to get into it. I liked the Athena puzzle. That was fun. The idea that, you know, who said some, something leads to wisdom. What was it? Like, or I forget what exactly the puzzle was now, the line. But I did like that, getting into the tomb. And it, it was interesting how it was like Archimedes, they found Archimedes' body and they found on him a watch and on the tomb were propellers and they're like, Oh, it means he did travel to the future. And then we find out later, no, that's Voller's watch or no, it was the pilot's watch. I forget whose watch it was the pilot's watch. And there was the, the plane, Voller's plane, the propellers from that. He never traveled forward. And so I really liked that little bit of misdirection and just the whole idea that Archimedes didn't invent the Antikythera to time travel, he did it to bring help from the future in defeating the Romans at the siege. And it was a one-way, one-time device. It only ever went one place. What do you think of that as a device here? We'll come back to some of this stuff we're skipping over a bit, but I want to talk about that now that we're talking about the tomb. What did you think about that? As a twist, I liked it. that Because I believed them at first. I was like, oh, cool, Archimedes traveled to the future, but then they completely turn it on its head and it's, no, he's calling for aid. I, I liked that. I thought that was interesting. And it led to such a very interesting climax that completely at first I thought they were jumping the shark a bit. But it, right. it it led to such a great final scene that in the end, I accepted it. It's just, yeah, right. I liked that a lot. Uh, how only, about you, Shelley? Yeah. The only thing for me that doesn't quite jive is they made a big deal out of Dr. Voller trying to go back to that date in 1939. And then Indiana saying, you didn't account for continental drift. Meaning continental drift was something no one had known at that time, blah, blah, blah. But. Apparently Archimedes must have because he actually did get it right back to where Archimedes wanted it if he was right. calling help from the future for that siege. That's right. So. It also points to the fact that time travel, you can't change you can't change history. You can't change destiny because all of this already happened and is happening again. There isn't like the, this idea that that you couldn't you can't go back and you can't change history because it's already been it's already done and that all depends on your theory of time travel and then this in this right. in this instance in this universe you can't change time. And so there's this idea that it was Indy's destiny to always go back and and then come back. Like this all of this is Indy's destiny. I feel like there's a, the, 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 that's one of the messages of the movie is this has always been the way Indy is meant to go and not to go out in the grand place of glory in Syracuse, but to go and come back and be with Marion. That's his destiny is to come back and be with Marion because he's such a grounded character. He's more of an everyman than a lot of other action heroes. Are. Yes. He's not a superhero. He's just a guy. He's very smart. He has a lot of skills. But in the end, he's as he's a mortal. He's as mortal as the next guy. Right. Right. Apart from the getting shot thing. Apart from getting <laughs> shot. Yeah. He has plot armor, but he's still yes. mortal. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's true. As always in these movies, the bad guy does get the device, whatever it is, the artifact, and uses it, whether it was 
Raiders with the Ark or the Cup of Christ and what's his name getting getting skeletonized and that sort of thing. And the the bad results of it, the, the bad man who uses artifact always comes to a bad always end. Always comes to a bad end. Yeah, it's the way it should be. Always be um, my World and, War Two geek in me was like, ooh, the when the, the plane, I was like a Heinkel yeah. 111, which is a real <laughs> German bomber right, <laughs> from the Battle right. of Britain. Yeah. And, and I was expecting Indy to make a crack about, oh, another German plane, like the, the flying wing from the original <laughs> the flying wing. He, yeah. Yeah. He didn't do that one. But yeah, they end up at the siege of Syracuse, which is a real thing the 214 BC. And one of the other plot holes here is, is that Heinkel, some part of it would survive 2000 years. Like, yeah, I would so imagine. Yeah. I, I, but nobody's ever dug up an old part of a German a Nazi plane from 2000 years ago. It's a cool like opening for a story or like a yes. movie or something. That would, That's almost like the opening of Close Encounters where they find the, the plane. Flight 19? Yeah, yeah Flight yeah, 19, yeah. yeah. Yes, would, if they found this old rusted out bit of the plane with the Nazi symbol on it or something, riveted yeah. wing p- bit in the dig in Syracuse. That would be really wild. I love seeing that all of Archimedes' devices been in use, whether it was the solar focusers or the claws and stuff. That was great. Nice to see. That battle of Syracuse was amazing. And I really loved it because I wondered how they were going to do something new. We got the train. We yep. got the flight, the airplane. You need something new for him to have this big battle and adventure. And so when they went there and we got to see it with the yes. ships and the claws and the mirrors and the spears kept coming up, we've got to shoot that dragon. <laughs> that was where I finally really sat up and was like, okay, now it's something new and exciting. Everything else is giving you nostalgia. And we're in Morocco. Yep. It feels very much. No, this was exciting. This was new, all new. You've never seen anything like it. I kept asking, wondering, why are they flying so low? (laughs) You're a plane. Go up a little. Out of range of the spears. Get up. Like, you knew it was not going to end well if they didn't get out of the way of those ballista or whatever, whatever the Romans called them, is shooting at the plane. But, yeah. But yeah, I agree. I loved that this was different from anything they'd done before. And it was a whole new thing that Indy got to experience. I, I thought that was great. Also, what was um, the purpose of, okay, so when Teddy hijacks the other plane, what, yes. why is there a guy sleeping in the back? And what was his purpose? That, that was never explained. <laughs> Yeah, to that's fly a good point. them home to yeah. land safely so they could get back on that plane oh, and they had a pilot okay. to take them home. Gotcha. Because remember, Teddy had just picked it up from the, the American flyers and the bar to yeah. teach him how to do things, but he'd never actually sat in front of a real plane. So, yes, he could take off and yes, he could get there. But how are they going to even reasonably explain how this kid who's never flown before lands this plane and saves them? Right. Okay. Right. That makes That's sense. Got to stick yeah. the guy yeah. in the back. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. The, any the plane's owner or the pilot who's sleeping before a flight or something like I, I I could buy that, but yeah, that plane has to be there to fly them back. The what was it? Helena calls it Archimedes' forced deck to bring help from the future because that whole we we got the what do you call it the premonition of this whole idea when she was doing the card tricks earlier talking about the forced deck and the illusionist forces you to take the card you want and she said so the Antikythera was sent through time forward in time through the passage of time by Archimedes 
to eventually bring someone back from the future, which is an interesting idea that he, because he knew it would work <laughs> because it had happened. Right. Um, yeah. It, that kind of causality loop. Right. Of time travel. Now, it's a different Antikythera, right? He's got the, the, the original on his desk when the plane comes through. So we don't have the loop of picking it up from the plane and, Handing it off to the future. You know what I mean, right. uh, that would be weird. Like nobody invented it. It's its own <laughs> thing. That, that would be weird. I've seen movies do that, but I'm glad they didn't do it here. Yeah. So I do. I did like that. I did that aspect. And I also like the Indy's impulse to stay. We saw him teaching the class. He knows about this era. He knows everything about it. And he's, I can be part of history. This is a suitable way for an archaeologist like me to end his days in, in the past. Cause I've lived in the past my whole life, in a sense, his whole career. It's every archaeologist's dream to be right. able to live in the, to, to see and witness the things that they've studied only secondhand. Didn't he say something like that in the beginning that archaeology is about finding fact not truth and what better yes. than to go back in time and actually see facts it, because everything is a speculation we're always reading what other people have written so it's always tainted by their eyewitness or their perspective or where they are in the context of the event that's happening but to be able to go back and witness it with your own eyes and make your own your own experience it, for indiana he can't stay back there because it's also telling us we can't live our lives in the past. We can't right. stay mired in the past. We have to get knocked out by our goddaughter, dragged onto a plane <laughs> and brought back to the future so we can <laughs> face the future. And the future is he wants to die right there in Syracuse in the past. Yes. That he has loved so much. And she's no, you're going to come back because there's something waiting for you here. And you're going to have a nice, quiet retirement and death. And the thing was, too, I was emotionally preparing myself through this mm -hmm. sequence for his death. And also thinking, I'm like, this is James Mangold and he killed off Logan in a very powerful <laughs> way. And I'm like, yeah. oh, OK, I'm like, I'm getting ready. And then it's undercut when he's punched out. And I was like, right. brilliant. <laughs> Great. <laughs> and you, you're right, Shelley, too, that he has a future. He doesn't think he has a future. He has a future. He has a destiny with Marion. And that that dial is sending him to his future destiny with Marion. He has a future. He wants to despair and give up, but he can't give up. He has to look forward because there's more to this life. Even at the very end, there's always more. There's always something better, which I think is a great message and a great way to end the Indiana Jones series of movies. So fantastic. Anything else? Any other notes that you want to share before we wrap? Because it's the the end of the movie. But Shelley, I'm sure you have some more that you've been saving up. Oh, I've been trying to find it. It's all over the place in my notes. <laughs> but I was just thinking that Helena gave a little foreshadowing to that that she would bring Indiana back because she told him when they were on the boat with Rennie, who was being killed, that she doesn't believe in a noble death. Right. So there was just that little moment. Uh, but there were just so many really good moments in this movie. Just some great lines. Come back to me in a second. <laughs> uh, how about you, Thomas? Any other notes on this one? I thought it was funny that uh, while uh, India is being kidnapped in the middle of the ticker tape parade, they run into an anti-Vietnam protest. 
And yeah. Indy starts chanting with everybody, hell no, we won't go. And does a, a scene and stuff. I, I thought that was rather humorous. And I don't know how he got that horse to play chicken with a subway train without the animal bolting in terror. <laughs> it's not a motorcycle. It won't just go where you want. Yeah, that was good. My only other thought is Lucasfilm, please don't make another one. I think this was f- a fine note to end the series on. I agree. I agree. The I do want to mention an, the, an exchange between Helena and Indiana that was good in the bar. Was it in the bar? Oh, no. A different way. He's, he's saying, to, I forget where, where this was, but he's saying to her, I have the re- recorded. I'm thinking about what? About what the hell I'm doing up here? 40 feet in the air with crab shoulders. Oh, when they're climbing the wall, <laughs> crumbling vertebrae, a, a plate in one leg, screws in the other. And she says, yeah, I get it. He goes, no, you don't get it. You're half my age. You haven't been forced to drink the blood of Kali. <laughs> no, fair enough. Or been tortured with voodoo. And I'm just guessing, but I don't think you've been shot nine times, including once by your father. And she says, Dad shot you? And when he means his own father. Oh, no. No, actually, her father did shoot him uh, on the train. Yeah, in the train. It's right. right. Accident. (laughs) Yeah, that was a fun exchange there, too. That was great. I, you almost wondered, is that Harrison Ford saying that line or is that Indiana Jones saying that line? He's seen a lot, too. Yes. <laughs> there's, there's just one last thing I want to put in here. And that was how much I enjoyed that they spoke in the language of where they were and use subtitles instead of using the old trick where you say the line first and then you automatically just switch to English. Yes. They were speaking German on the train. They were speaking German the whole time. And again, at the end, when they were speaking, I guess it was Greek. I I hate to say I don't know. I assume it's Greek, that they were speaking Greek in Syracuse. And that was just lovely. I really appreciated that from the people who made the movie. It was funny at one point in the in the first sequence with the Germans, they were translating, subtitling everything. And at one but at, at one point, the German officers are like walking outside and it just says speaking in German. Like it doesn't really matter what they're saying. Just yeah. don't, don't worry about it. <laughs> OK, any German speakers here want to tell us what they actually said? Yeah, well, so it was funny. All right. So that should do it for our discussion. And in, in the end of our discussion of the Indiana Jones franchise, how wonderful it was. Well, maybe we'll come back and do the young Indiana Jones Chronicles. Who knows? But, is that on Disney Plus, by the way? That is a good question. I don't. They should don't do know. that because <laughs> I should, haven't seen should, them. Or on Paramount Plus or something because it's a yeah, somebody owns it anyway. For now, that's it. We'd like to, as we wrap up, take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of movies and TV shows, including Carlos G., Robert N., AJM, Dylan A., and Dan M. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of movies and TV shows and all the shows at StarQuest. And you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. So we'd love to hear what you think of Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Did it live up to the hype? Did it fail? Like all the internet critics said it would. You can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash secrets or the Starquest Facebook page, facebook.com slash Starquest Media. Sending an email to secrets at sqpn.com or visit the Starquest Discord community at sqpn.com slash discord. Until next time, Shelly Kelly, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. It's been a pleasure, Dom. Thomas Salerno, thank you as well. Thank you so much, Dom. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the secrets of movies and TV shows on StarQuest. 
Here's another show on the StarQuest Network you're sure to enjoy. Jimmy Yakin's Mysterious World. Find the show wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash mysterious. We'd like to thank Patrick McCaffrey of Moonshadow Studios for editing this episode. To have your audio edited professionally and with care, check out more of Patrick's work at moonshadowstudios.biz. That's moonshadowstudios.biz. 